to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in the space. Hey, Paul, how are you this week? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Good, mate. We uh, literally had an earthquake here at 2 a.m. in the morning and twitter is saying uh, saying that everyone woke up and i was slept through it so <laughs> yeah when i asked how you were doing i thought you were going to tell me you were shake rattle and roll in there but i yeah, guess not right. uh, yeah. although you, you have a kid so I, sleep is a precious commodity right uh, yeah like, i'm not waking up for an earthquake i'm gonna sleep through that <laughs> it was only i think 5.4 so um i've been in a lot worse in indonesia where I definitely feared for my life and it did wake me up. But um, this one was just a bit of a, a gentle nudge. Definitely not anything like they were getting in California where supermarket aisles were falling over. Yeah, so exactly. glad we're safe. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad that everyone is uh, safe. Uh, and, and on other topics, hope everyone in New Orleans who's listening to this three weeks after the power comes back. <laughs> I hope you all made it through okay too. Joke. Um, yeah. So, um, We'll do a quick through run through on the links we found this week. Um, uh, so our, our our guest is Corey Roth, who's going to talk about CI/CD stuff. And on that tangentially related to that, uh, I have put a link in the show of notes about a task for Azure pipelines for the Azure Key Vault. I know we've talked about this a lot ad nauseum on identity stuff because that's kind of what I am. But um, it's just one more thing to put in here because it came up, it came up just the other day where I needed to do a secret in a, a pipeline, and so uh, um, certainly uh, worth uh, using this baby uh, as you're doing that. Yeah, it's very very cool. So the document date is uh, December 2018. So this thing's been out there in the world for a while, right? Yes, it has. And um, uh, again, it's one of those it's it's got the yaml documentation so i don't i, I what i'm sensing is that when i talk to people they're like me where they they haven't been using the yaml files until recently because of the way the service has been put you know it, it was too easy to drag and drop before so now i think it's getting some more visibility but uh um it certainly is uh, uh it's been around and and works great so yeah it's gonna be super handy to be able to just fetching connection strings from the key vault rather than the old developer cowboy way of hard coding those things into web configs yeah. and so forth. Yeah, yeah, right. And so, I, I mean, the the scenarios are a couple things, right? So sometimes at runtime, you want to set an environment. So maybe you get the key out of the key vault and set it in the environment as you deploy something, or perhaps you're running some testing in as a, you know, integration tests in the pipeline, but lots of scenarios you can do there. Um, the next one I found is kind of a, a interesting use of, of the bot framework. Kevin McConnell, who is a, a SharePoint dude, I think, for a while. We've seen him around, but he has a, a post about um, the daily Bing challenge bot in which you can have Bing show to the, uh, the daily image, have the bot show the daily image from Bing and let people guess as to where it's from. Uh, using some geolocation stuff and and obviously the bot framework and he's even got some hooks into Power BI, which is a a nice um, a nice all around package. It kind of ties in with the you know driving Microsoft Teams adoptions. Oh, and we had Teams had some news this week, but uh, it's a it's a great great use case, right? It's one of those again, just get people interacting with bots and and more comfortable in the environment. So pretty cool. 
Yeah, I like that idea of having something fun that's like can have someone get familiar with the engaging with a bot. Um, you know, the Game of Thrones bot is always the one I track to from a consumer. Like, what's the bot? When people ask me, I always kind of explain that scenario of, oh, you can watch along on TV and the bot will <clears throat> allow you to ask questions around who the hell is this person that I haven't seen in five episodes. And this one's a nice example in a corporate setting that um, isn't geared to maybe too racy a TV show <laughs> that yeah. um, people yeah. are familiar with if they're, if they're using, well, they don't even have to be familiar with Bing to see the, the wallpaper on the homepage of their Windows 10 machine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or, or even just, it's great to look at pictures, right? I mean, so uh, the, the, the Bing daily pictures have always been fascinating. So great stuff. Great stuff from Kevin. Thank you. And that and that kind of reminds me, uh, uh, I'll dig up the link, but uh, there was a marketing uh, press release around Teams and adoption that the, the, the monthly average users is is very large. I'm not sure if you came across that one yet. I'll, have to, I'll get the link already, but uh, that uh, shown some good adoption on Microsoft Teams, uh, and we'll we'll probably talk more about that because there's a proposed feature in there that scares me to death. <laughs> Anyways, the so, the, uh, the mail numbers and so forth that were announced. Yes, that's they talk about that, but they also have a link into there about uh, I can um, have the service send a reminder to my mobile every two minutes until I provide a response. Yes, I've seen that demoed in some of our internal meetings, and it got some chuckles from the audience. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna turn that thing off as fast as I can. Well, I think the justification is this is definitely for the field workers that maybe don't use email. And they have them in their pockets and it's urgent enough that it needs to get their attention. So I, I do understand the value of it for sure. Uh, yes. However, uh, uh, well, yeah, I'm sure it has some scenarios in which it, which it has value. It's just, I, uh, I love under the, whose terms, my terms or the, or someone else's terms. MSM messenger where it used to shake the window too. I actually found that quite useful. I don't do remember those, those days. days. No, you could, no. you could send a shake and it would, shake the window on the screen <laughs> it's a similar wow. thing it's all yeah. about grabbing people's attention right but no i think the particular feature is to do with field line field workers it, yeah not yeah not your average office 365 worker sitting behind a desk yeah, but that doesn't mean someone who thinks it's important that i give them my attention that's true uh, you know you know and and me personally it might be an issue because if someone accidentally does that and it is two in the morning for me because my coworkers are hard at work in england i would not be a happy camper but yeah but 13 that, plus million daily active users is pretty impressive yes yes yeah so we'll put a link into that that uh that news release here which is definitely uh um, got some adoption going and and then there's also um some other adoption tools that that uh, we'll link into one of them is uh, another bot that's kind of on that bing bot discussion where they can uh, it randomly grabs a couple of coworkers and introduces them in 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 a conversation uh in teams uh just to, to kind of help you inter you know get to know other people in your organization so and that's actually sample code that the has been published in github so if you're developing an app for teams you can, not only can you increase adoption by having something that you know introduces people but you can also see the how the code was written and and adapt that for your own use so chat, some great chat, stuff there coming out chat roulette for the enterprise right 
Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so, so back to our list of links. So the next one I have is from a recent guest of ours, Tobias Zimmergren. And um, Tobias posted the ability or a blog post about retrieving application insights logs using the C-sharp library, because maybe you want to pull a subset of the information and, and analyze it separately or process it, or, or for whatever reason, maybe you don't want to just log into the Azure portal to, to review the app insights, which can be quite voluminous, right? So this is a, a nice step-by-step, -step, typical Tobias uh, fashion here. He'll go through and talk you how to write a C-sharp uh, .NET Core app to uh, pull data out of app insights. Yeah, it's interesting the scenario of why why you'd want to do that that way around. But um, um, I he doesn't. I don't think he actually explains that in the blog article. I looked for it and couldn't find it. Oh, Scarlet wants her bubbles. She wakes up and that's the first thing she wants. You want your bubbles? Yeah. Uh, um, well, I'm on a podcast right now and there's quite a few people listening. Do you want to share any thoughts on? Development, Scarlett. Do you want bubbles? Did you wake up during the earthquake? Now you've gone silent. <laughs> I want my bubbles. You want your bubbles? You're very one-tracked minded, aren't you? <laughs> right. And you're going to get reminded every two minutes via Teams until the bubbles are delivered. <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. All right, let me take Scarlett back to mummy and we'll, we'll quickly come back. Okay, I'm back. She's uh, upstairs with her bubbles. <laughs> and uh, so uh, Tobias's blog, um, it kind of does explain how he's doing it. It's essentially brief though, which is that he wants to export it because he wants to do search and pull data out in a certain way that... Uh, the UI doesn't do a great, well, I mean, it does a very good job in terms of being able to run queries, but maybe he's just doing something more advanced in terms of just regex and so forth across the log entries to be a bit more specific with it. So it's super useful if you are using application insights. We actually do it for a bunch of our DevX stuff too. Um, and I know Daryl's investigating how we can do it with uh, our SDKs to have a better understanding of usage there and Obviously, there's PII scrubbing that we need to do to log that in there. But um, it's there's some really valuable areas to be able to see when things are happening in that. So, um, yeah, thanks for doing that, Tobias. That's awesome. So um, we had Corey on the show, Paul. So, um, again, a, a guest that we've had on before, episode five of the show. And uh, he was talking a lot about the CICD stuff around pipelines and doing continuous integration to SPFX. So it was a really good show. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy. Again, if you're listening and you have something to share, uh, Paul and I would love to interview you and have you on an episode. And uh, so enjoy this one. And uh, we have some great guests lined up in the next few weeks. And so please spread the word about the podcast. Paul, do you have anything else you'd like to add before we jump into the interview? Uh, I have to go get my bubbles, so we're good. <laughs> All right, see you next week, buddy. Cheers. Hey, Corey, how are you? Hey, Jeremy, how you doing? Doing great. Just came Excellent. off vacation, quite happy. Did you did you take advantage of the July Fourth? We can have a add additional time around it. 
it's sort of. Uh, it wasn't intentional. Um, the, uh, the way the wife booked the cruise and everything that we went on last week, but uh, then I realized, like, oh, that's July fourth. So, so that's you know one less day of PTO I have to worry about, I guess, so to speak, right? One less well, day you, of emails to catch up on. Did you? Do, you've done the, the Disney cruises before. Were you on another Disney cruise? Yeah, we were on uh, yet another Disney cruise. We may be at the point where we're cruised out, but uh, this was kind of one of the last ones for the kids as they're they're getting Mickey's older. Mickey's on so. like first time basis with you guys as you walk on the ship. <laughs> oh yeah, Mickey's just gives us a high five, just you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and takes your credit card as, he, as you takes, walk as you board. Oh, they, they get it before and after during. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, thanks for coming on the show. We, uh, I just had a look back through because I was like, ah, oh, you were one of my first guests when we first kicked this show off in 2014. And indeed you were. It was episode five oh, that wow. you came on when we were at TechEd North America in Houston. Yeah, in Houston, right? Yeah, I remember yeah. that. And so we were talking about business connectivity services. And back then, the new <laughs> SharePoint app model and oh, SharePoint yeah. search. <laughs> <laughs> which, which yeah, I think we, had a, we kind of fumbled through that one, right? Like, uh, there wasn't there wasn't a lot to talk about right now, but, uh, yeah, but we right. fumbled through it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that was interesting to kind of roll back the wheel five years and see where we are right now. But um, and it, but Paul's on the line as well. So yeah. hello there. Um, we'll have a. A, a, a variety of uh, questions we'll want to throw at you but i think just to get started do you want to introduce yourself just for those that don't know who cory roth is and what you work on and where you are and accent so people can dial in uh sure thing sure thing so yeah i am uh cory roth uh currently here in the dallas texas area uh Doing uh, currently employed by uh, DMI um, as an enterprise architect there, leading various uh, SharePoint uh, architecture, Office 365 projects, uh, CI/CD type stuff, as well, among of other things. Um, of course, I got my background. Um, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 years ago. I lose track in SharePoint world nowadays, right? Um, it feels like way more than that, right? But uh, I uh, got, got my background doing SharePoint development then, um, developing uh, search uh, search solutions, as you mentioned. Uh, search is kind of where I kind of grew up and uh, took a took a hiatus from search because, you know, Microsoft took a hiatus from search as well for a few years. So, uh, <laughs> you know, excited to get back into it uh, as we look at the, what, you know, Microsoft search hitting GA and all that. So, yeah. Uh, on the side, I also you know do a little mobile development as well. So I have a few uh, mobile app platforms I manage for you know uh, a town or two and uh, a few breweries and restaurants and things like that. Um, so that's kind of my thing I do for fun. Um, then yeah, that's me. In a nutshell. And so you've been on this SharePoint journey for like you know longer than I have. Uh, I remember meeting you at SBC09 and us chatting about that stuff over oh, a yeah. beer and. Um, you were well entrenched on the search side and was kind of known as that search person. And obviously, you know, as you say, Microsoft is on a journey with search and we will be, uh, they're rolling out at the moment, the whole kind of search experience. And there is a lot more cool stuff to come that we, I mean, I personally get to benefit from right now because we're dog fooding internally and um, customers are going to be really stoked with that. And, uh, you know, unfortunately we can't talk about this in the show, so we'll definitely get you back on once all the dev stuff around search is out so that you can kind of give your feedback and on what's good and better than what we used to play with. But no, so today, looking forward to it. Looking yeah. forward to that coming. Absolutely. Um, 
and and obviously that the search APIs would be one of the first things that come out soon. So um, keep your eye on that if you're listening. But um, in terms of today, I really wanted to kind of talk about the journey that you've had coming from a place where you've done a lot of kind of CI, CD stuff at an extremely deep level in, in customers. And that transition of obviously jumping through full trust solutions to sandbox solutions to app model and now into SPFX, like what have been some of the major things you've had to like pivot on to make that story work for you guys in an automated way when you're working with customers? Yeah, I remember going way back in the day trying to automate some of the stuff the best I could, right? Um, you know, I still have, you know, an old client that installs stuff with the sandbox solution. I've managed, you know, at least create a small PowerShell script could do that. So I was always trying to automate this stuff because um, if you remember back in the day in SharePoint, you know, deployment of solutions and stuff like that, even with the level of scripting you had back then, it was pretty manual and pretty painful. And, you know, uh, I couldn't imagine trying to take what we'd call a modern CI CD process and try to do it. Uh, uh, with the tools we had today back then, so to speak, you know, even, you know, it would just be next to impossible, right? So with all this evolution, um, obviously, you know, there's new uh, new techniques, new tools available for you. You know, um, the Azure DevOps suite, you know, for example, what we're using uh, makes it quite easy to get started and going um, once you kind of figure out the nuances. And so, which is why I wanted to document it. Um, because uh, you know the things I found out there when I tried to set it up myself, going to the iteration. Although I, you know, I'd always, uh, I've done it uh, a little bit on other platforms and things like that. I found that you know, a lot of people have done DevOps uh, with SPFX, uh, implementing a CI/CD platform. But um, unfortunately, you know, Azure DevOps has changed so much um, that these blog posts quickly become out of date. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because Azure's constantly changing and, you know, I mean, they just got the new name DevOps. I mean, was that this year, last year? I don't know. Um, before is VSTS and, you know, so it's, it's had a bunch of iterations. So keeping those things up, keeping those screenshots up to date, it, it's tough. So I was like, okay, well, let's, let's see if I can set a baseline and then, you know, I'll try to keep mine up to date. And I've updated a few times already, um, as things have changed, but it, it's hard when you, when you blog about something like that, it's so involved. So... Um, but it's been a good journey, and it's already paying off uh, huge rewards. I think. I mean, uh, it takes you know, takes deployment you know into our test environment or production environment. It, it takes that down to minutes. Um, I don't have to sit there and babysit it while doing it. You know, uh, we check it into master or whatever branch we want, and then it, a few minutes later, the code's deployed, and I don't have to do any of those steps manually. You know, building, dragging, dropping into the app catalog, all that, right? Um, so it saved us a ton of time. And so the obviously using the Azure DevOps is one tool, but under the covers, if we peel back, right, what what tools I said high level, what are the tools that you're using to make this happen? Right. Because if I think about all the steps I have to do on my machine to get started with SPFX and all these manual steps, what, what did you use to automate a bunch of those or, or what are the tasks that you built? So what I started with uh, was um, for the PMP uh, SPFX generator. Um, uh, it has a YAML file that it will create for you when you uh, scaffold a new project, right? So I started with that because that had, uh, at least as far as uh, doing the build itself, it had 95% of what I needed. Um, 
the only tweaks I've had to do is uh, to it really was um, I, I removed some unit tests on the clients that weren't using it because I just generated extra build tests. And although uh, we fully acknowledge we need to uh, get to the level where we have solid unit testing on our on our development, our existing projects simply just aren't there yet. So uh, we pulled that out at least so it didn't uh, generate warnings. Uh, in addition, uh, with SPFX 1.8.2 now sporting Node 10, um, we updated uh, that template as well <coughs> to uh, use Node 10 instead of Node 8, uh, which of course leads to uh, a little bit faster build times and things like that. Um, so that's how we got started. Uh, luckily, that that template, if you if you want to create a build, um, the work they did um, on that team, uh, it really has it all. You can just install it, and it's a few clicks. Um, it's the steps after that to do the deployment that take a little bit more work. Okay, but is that work really? Is it the same as what I would do manually, or is it, or is it different? Right. So obviously, I can't drag and drop right <laughs> inside of a, a pipeline. So w- w- what what kind of tasks are you using to accomplish that kind of stuff? I'll, I'll go back a little bit. At least t- talk about what the. Uh, the uh, the build first looks like. And uh, so the build, you know, the first things it kind of does is um, it, it effectively has to build, you know, in its little container environment, uh, an environment that has SPFX in it, right? So uh, it installs Node.js, it uh, installs uh, everything it needs from NPM, right? Um, and then it, uh, things like Gulp and things like that, uh, then it does the build. So it does, you know, Gulp bundle dash ship, it does Gulp package solution dash ship. And ultimately, you know, it produces that SPPKG file that we need that we can now later deploy. Now, on the deployment side, uh, that's where we had to do a little more manual steps. So I managed to create a PowerShell script uh, that does most of everything what you need. And uh, anyone that wants to adopt it should be able to take it on and use it with a few minimal tweaks. And so what does it do? Uh, it grabs that package file and then it uh, effectively uh, uploads it using PNP PowerShell. Um, so it installs that dependency, um, uh, copies it to the app catalog. Um, and it's all parameterized, so you can just kind of punch in the, your values, you know, go to this app, cl- app catalog, go to that app catalog. Um, you put in your credentials, um, and so it has the techniques to deal with uh, storing your credentials uh, in a secure string, and then um, it's in your app catalog. At that point, you're ready to go, right? Uh, now, you still have to deploy the app manually, so this assumes you already have the apps installed and you haven't put it on your pages and stuff like that. It doesn't handle that part, but of course, you can always go back and later uh, you know, script that as well if you really wanted to, uh, but that's probably a little out of the scope of at least this particular exercise. And, and so did you find it anything? What, what I've struggled with in the past with the pipelines is trying to remember what variables are set automatically and which ones I have to set myself. Did you find it, uh, that same kind of a struggle or is the I'm guessing with the with the tools for SPFX and the generator, uh, a lot of that I'm hoping a lot of that is like set up for us. Right. We just drop in what we need and off we go. Yeah, right. okay, it's great. As far as the build goes, you can literally uh, you don't have to do anything. Um, uh, you, you download that YAML file and you can have a build uh, produced um, without having to change a thing, honestly. You don't have to change a thing. So they did an excellent job. It has exactly what you need in it. Um, after that, when you're doing a deployment, that's where you have to plug in your variables. So you have to plug in variables like your username, your password, um, your uh, the site URL, uh, 
things like that, right? Um, I, I've got some uh, conditions for going to a test environment versus a production environment, things like that. And so, with, with all this approach, like, how are you handling? Like back in the day with farm solutions and sandbox solutions, you would be trash. Well, I would personally trash the site collection, recreate the site collection and do like kind of add all the bits and pieces, activate the features. But in the modern world of SPFX, I mean, is that still a thing? Like, are you still testing for like brand new sites when you deploy or you assuming that that's, you do that once and don't have to worry about it? Right. In my case, I'm, I'm not rebuilding the site collection from scratch uh just because because of the nature of the projects i'm on and the clients and things like that at a point you know some of these sites are already mature and already has stuff on it so i don't want to like start over but could you do that uh, absolutely with pnt powershell what we are doing is some of that first time initialization you know we're creating the test site uh we're creating the list the site columns you know document libraries the things we need uh the pages even uh, adding our custom web parts to the pages. Um, uh, PNP PowerShell makes that all pretty easy to do now, right? So we are um, kind of setting a directive on how we do our best practices now. If we're if we're provisioning lists, we're provisioning document wires, columns, whatever, we're doing it with PNP PowerShell because chances are, you know, we've created it in one site, you're going to have to create it in another, even if it's just going from test to production, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just uh, repeatable. Or tenant to tenant or whatever, right? Or the client says they want three of these now instead of one. So uh, I've tried to draw the line in the sand and they're like, this is how we do that now. Um, I think um, uh, we've had some success with it already, so. Yeah, and I would imagine if, if rolling off the, the development staff, right? So it's obviously uh, you come in at an architect level, you're not going to be writing every single line of code, but All I right. can imagine that's also helpful, uh, you know, transferring in a new team member, right? Yeah, I mean, it's made just getting the getting the code out there, like, you know, it's tr a lot of these things, I, I've mentored a lot of junior developers in SPFX in the last year. Uh, I think, you know, I've got my third one. I just kind of ran through the process. Um, and so uh, while they're good at producing code, you know, deployment, that's a different story, right? So while this isn't teaching them how to do the deployment, it is teaching them, okay, when we're ready, you know, send me a pull request. I approve the pull request. It hits master. Uh, uh, and then it just gets deployed, right? And then they don't have to worry about it, right? And I don't have to worry about it because before um, the projects I was doing like late last year before we set this up, Every time I needed a, a developer needed a deployment, well, I had to stop what I'm doing, right? Gulp bundle that ship, gulp back, <laughs> drag and drop. And so that was tedious. So that's taken that off my plate, right? So you take the time to set this up at the beginning of your project, um, especially in longer ones, right? It, it's worth the time to do it. And and like, I guess back in the day, uh, you would be taking kind of add-ins and you would be pushing those as a provider hosted solutions to a, like, a Azure web app or something, and then like deploying a manifest file into SharePoint so they could point back to it. But everything in SPFX is just all in that package file. So with the pipelines, you're just, just running that as a single process to do the, the build and then just using PowerShell to then to push that package directly into the SharePoint app catalog. That's effectively what you're doing. That's exactly right. what it's doing. I mean, it effectively spins up a new environment, uh, uses NPM to grab all those dependencies it needs, basically yeah. by looking at your package JSON, right? Um, and then it figures out, okay, we know we need to we need to bundle it, we need to ship it, you know, etc. And then um, it produces the file. Uh, there are like DevOps has some intricacies, which is why I document them, you know. Um, 
to get the package file in the right spot, it ends up in this drop folder. And there's there's some complexity around it, um, but I've taken the complexity out of that with the script I produced. Um, and if you look at that blog post, uh, it has a link to GitHub where it's all down, all there, so you can just grab them. Um, because it has to be in this place, so this variable matches up. And things. there's some nuances like that, which I explain in the post. Um, but once you uh, kind of use it, once you have that script and you figured it out, uh, I, I built that so people want to have to start over and try to figure this out. Because, I mean, it took me several hours over several days to kind of get through a script that, like, was perfect and kind of met all of my needs. So, but, but it works. Yeah. And I would just, you know, to Jeremy's point about deploying, right? So obviously SPFX can go off of a CDN, either the the SharePoint one or, or other. And my experience with Azure DevOps is if I want to deploy something to an Azure blob or even an Azure website, there's some pretty, just some built-in tasks on that, if I remember correctly. So even modifying this isn't. But yeah, absolutely. There's tasks to deploy to blob storage and, you know, there, there's all sorts of tasks that are useful, right? So chances are, you know, if you prefer to have it hosted in your own blob storage, uh, you definitely could. Um, maybe at some point when I have a need, I'll update that, or if I get bored and want to try to figure it out, you know, I'll, I'll work on that and put, put some instructions together. But for the most part, you know, we usually just use Office 365 CDN, um, a lot of my clients, so I don't have to worry about that. And so, you know, you mentioned one thing, uh, uh, like when we talk about the setting up of the environment, either for a developer or for a test environment, right? So that's, it, it does sound a lot like what we've always done back in the day, creating sites and lists and so on. Have you found that it more difficult in the transition to a cloud or, or in a customer tenant than it was in the past? With the provision being, so your, your question's around development environment? Yeah, the, the typical setup stuff that you do, right? So I'm a developer, I need to get started and start creating stuff. And I've had people say, well, you know, how do I do this in a customer tenant, for example? And so I just want to talk a little bit about your experience in interacting with that. Have you found it more difficult or or is it easier because you have the scripts going on? Or just a little bit about how you're feeling? Uh, yeah, I would say, ultimately, I'd say things are easier. Definitely, uh, there are some customer dependencies that you have to deal with if you're deploying into environment um you know they have you have to have access to the app catalog if you want to be able to deploy to it things like that um some customers may let you do that some may not right um it took me you know for one of my customers it took me a while to get to the point where um i could get the accounts and provisioning and you know uh the, the things i needed to be able to automate that uh, for example you know if if the process requires two-factor authentication if you need that to uh authenticate to your your customer using your account, it's not going to happen, right? Because there's no way to inject, you know, you know, the, the build pipeline can't stop and have you, you know, type in a six-digit code from your phone or something like that, right? So, um, but luckily, uh, you know, if, if you explain the value and you know work, work with uh, work within the constraints of the client's uh, security policies and things like that, uh, you know, you might be able to explain the value of this, and you know implement it for them and they can even do it on their own things as well right so and and then i guess um the other aspect of this is you know the now that you've written these scripts technically they shouldn't need like the powershell script you shouldn't need to change to get these deployment steps done but obviously there are 
things that can change. Like I noticed in the blog post that you, you know you already mentioned with the node version moving up. So what other things can you foresee that might need to change that are kind of in these scripts in the future, like other than the node version, which obviously is, is great to make sure that you're updating because it's going to be faster from a build time perspective. You know, I, I think node version is probably the first thing, um, unless the SPF, of course, if the SPFX changes or build, if the SPFX platform changes for some reason and you don't use Gulp anymore, they make a change in that direction obviously that'd be significant mm -hmm. um as far as the script goes the script's actually pretty simple because it's really just taking parameters like where's my site that i'm deploying to where's my username um what's the package name things like that mm -hmm. um that's really the only kind of key thing you have to type in and make uh, keeps uh and you do that once um honestly i don't see a whole lot changing uh at least in the short term right yeah um of course the only you know other variable there is if Azure DevOps changes in some way, or they have new right, screens right. or different configuration that that could affect you. So hopefully, you know that doesn't change. Uh, it seems like it's finally kind of starting to stabilize a little bit. But um, you know, this should be something you should be able to set up once and hopefully use for throughout the lifetime of your project. You know, uh, whether it's short term or even a little longer term, I think so. It's worth the effort to take at the beginning of your project to set it up. And then what, like I've just actually come off, we, we have a few interns started at work and um, some new engineers actually um, in our Nairobi office. And we've been working through a lot of this stuff with Azure DevOps. You mentioned that there was various different sites, but obviously with the changing of like the UI, it's hard to keep up. But what, where are some of the best sources you found other than obviously your own blog post to uh, learn about Azure DevOps? Like were there other authors or doc sites that you thought were valuable in terms of learning this stuff? Uh, trying to think back to all the places I've looked at, and I may even have some of it credited in my blog because um, I had to really piece together a lot of it. Yeah. Um, uh, definitely starting with the the PMP generator um, is really where it started, right? Mm -hmm. SPFX generator is part of it. Um, there were a few other posts. I can't remember the authors, honestly, because um, it's been a while since I broke this, um, that I referenced. Um, and, of course, uh, the Azure DevOps, um, uh, there is one, docu one document uh, in the SPFX documentation on how to set up Azure DevOps. Mm -hmm. um, it is showing its age at this point, and yeah, so yeah. Uh, there were a lot of there were a lot of steps almost kind of left out, or like the screens have changed a little bit, some of that stuff. Um, that was kind of my main post. I was kind of following when I was trying to piece it together, uh, but there were definitely pieces that were not uh, up to date anymore. Um, now that may have changed since you know the month or two that it's been since I've, I've looked at this process, but um, that's where I kind of get most of it from and come from a cost perspective of like running this process like is there any implication here like if a customer has to use this do they have to pay for pipelines and um you know the licensing of, of vsts is one thing i've never fully uh been able to grasp honestly um at least with our subscriptions i've never had to add additional build pipelines or anything like that um maybe potentially if you have bigger teams and you have more going on um that could be an issue um but i for what i could tell in the licensing i read again i, I find their licensing a little bit confusing um trying to figure out what i need um i haven't had to add anything and so um, as long as you have the right permissions on your project, you do have to have like, you know, in the pro in DevOps, for example, you have to have like the 
write permission where you actually have permission to set up a build pipeline for the project, right? So if uh, at first I did it on one project, I was just like developer or something like that. So you do have to do some of that kind of thing. But and in my experience, the the credits that come with an MSDN subscription have generally been sufficient. Uh, the the big blocker might be that yeah, I think you get one one build at a time, right? So if you're trying to build 17 things, you know, they get backed up for free, but but I haven't run into any issues uh, of running out of minutes or anything like that. Yeah, I've never ran out of minutes, never had a concurrency issue. Maybe as, you know, we do more of this, but, you know, it'd be worth the investment if that's the case, right? Uh, but yes, uh, when I set it up, for my own purposes, you know, for the purposes of blog posts, you now I use my MSDN subscription um, that came with my free whatever, right? And that was and that more just covers it. That That's covers awesome. it. And uh, what we have uh, for the company itself seems to be fine too. So That's cool. Well, look, I really appreciate you sharing that. And um, we'll make sure that your uh, com. Uh, blog post links are all in the show notes that people want to kind of follow along and try this um i love in the past how detailed your blog posts always are and it's good to see that you've kept that up Corey, because <laughs> it is like totally granular down to the you might as well Sometimes, read through the screen and hold my mouse as i yeah. uh, set this up well, so that's uh, this, useful. this is a complex process. I wanted to make it as easy as possible. And, yeah. You know, honestly, sometimes I do this for my own purposes. So I remember how to do it later, right, too. So, yeah. Well, when you Google um, search for how do I set this stuff up and it comes back as your own blog result, that's usually... Yeah. that happens. <laughs> yeah, definitely happens. But um, no, I appreciate you coming on. And um, we will definitely get you back on for the, uh, the search one once the search oh, yeah, APIs are out and you have the ability to kind of play with connectors once they're out of a private preview so that um we can discuss and, and that. how do folks get in touch with you if they want to heap praise upon you for this uh devops stuff that you've done oh absolutely so you can definitely uh re- find my blog at coreyroth.com uh of course you can also follow me uh, on twitter at that same address at coreyroth um probably the way to find me so uh feel free to send me a, a mention or a dm or whatever and Happy to you yeah. know, share any insights, Disney credits. Yeah, <laughs> uh, always need those. Maybe we're slowing down a little bit, but <laughs> I'm surprised yeah. they don't. It's like yeah. Bitcoin based, I think, right now. Um, yeah, that's right. Cool. Well, um, look, we'll make sure all this is in the notes. And uh, big thanks for sharing this and talking us through it today. And absolutely, um, I will speak to you soon. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks. 